Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another live stream. Welcome back to my studio. Welcome back to a beautiful Friday. Uh, I hope you are doing well. I hope if you're watching this after the fact, you're having a great day, no matter what time it is. As always, I'm going to sit here and just talk until everybody hops in. Uh, because, you know, nobody likes to talk to an empty room on the internet, right? <laughs> Um, it's been a good day here, a good day in the studio, a good week in the studio. My new EP dark dropped today. So I'm excited about that. Uh, whether you're watching this live or after the fact, uh, you can go check that out. And, uh, I will leave a link to that in the description of the video. If you want to go to Spotify and listen to my new EP, that would be cool. Um, I am of course marketing it, running some ads for it testing things as I always do. Um, hey, Futastiske, what's up? I probably butchered your name again. <laughs> I'm sorry if I did. Um, yeah, how's it going? Um, thanks for hopping in. Uh, so yeah, dropped a new EP today. New but not new, right? Uh, Waterfalled, um, all my songs, uh, or half of what will become my first full-length record. So Every song has been released already, but it's all out and, uh, you know, hopefully will be pretty dope. Um, <clears throat> I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, life's good. Can't complain. Uh, Mike, yo, what's up, dude? Uh, keep being great, man. I appreciate you. I'm going to try. Uh, I'm going to do my very best. <laughs> keep showing up. That's for sure. Uh, great. We'll, uh, you know, be debatable depending on who you ask, <laughs> but I'll definitely keep showing up. Um, so yeah, I, um, I'm officially like, I guess with this EP kind of like halfway through my release strategy for the year. So, um, I've got five songs on this one. I've got an intro and then four complete like vocal songs. The next EP will be the same thing, but in reverse. So I'll have an outro and then four songs, another five song EP. I'm not sure when I'm going to start that process. It's probably going to be something like June or July, um, but we'll see. Um, TBD. <laughs> um, oh, you just released a Japanese lo-fi new age. Cool. Love it. I'm a huge fan of like Japanese inspired lo-fi. I think it's super dope. Um, and in fact, I have considered starting an anonymous I guess pseudonymous project uh, as a uh, a lo-fi project of my own that would have that kind of influence because I love that stuff. Um, I don't know. We'll see if I do it or not, but I'll definitely check it out, man. Thanks for the uh, heads up. Yo, Aaron, what's up, man? How you doing? Um, yeah, check it out and comment it. Sure, yeah, for sure, man. Um, yeah, I will definitely go give it a look for sure. That sounds cool. That sounds like it's right up my alley, to be honest. Um, I would say most days when I'm in here working, I listen to lo-fi and most days it's like Japanese inspired kind of lo-fi type of stuff. Um, I just, it just clicks with me for whatever reason. I dig it. Um, other times I listen to like, just like kind of ambient music basically stuff with like no vocals and no like extremely ear catching elements. Uh, cause I, 
I want it to be background music, which I think is probably what a lot of us do with like lo-fi and ambient music and stuff, right? We put it on while we're like working or studying or reading or cooking dinner or whatever. Um, so I'm probably no different in that regard. Um, yeah, that sounds cool, man. I'm a big fan. I'll go listen to it. Um, I think it would be fun to, to, uh, to create like a pseudonymous artist like that kind of thing, like a lo-fi artist of my own and not tell anybody so that I can take, um, all the stuff we talk about on this channel and apply it to an artist that has no following starting from scratch and is not affiliated with myself in any way, not tell anybody what the name is, not tell anybody what the project is, and then maybe do a reveal sometime later and say like, Hey, this is the project. This is what I've been doing. You know, I've been doing this for three years or whatever. And, and this is where it's at. And this is how I grew it. You know, if I can take that and get it to 20,000 followers, 50,000 average monthly listeners selling merch, having like a, basically a little flywheel business of an artist that has no affiliation to me, I think would be a good case study, um, to prove, you know, that this stuff works because I know that like, like my music, the stuff that I release is attached to this channel, which, you know, I get the benefit of having this channel, which is about marketing and stuff which is associated with me as an artist, but I'd love to have an artist brand that's unaffiliated with any of that stuff that is only built on music for music's sake and like, see how that goes. Um, could be cool. <clears throat> Let's see, Mike, how do you feel as a musician about doing tutorials with putting your music out? I love it. Um, I, or make a separate channel for specifically tutorials. So I love it. I, um, I did some of that early on when I was doing like the vlog um, on my channel. When I first started taking YouTube seriously, I started a vlog as most people do, I guess, and was doing it five days a week, every week. And I was jumping all around between all different things, like building my studio, promoting my music, talking about what I was doing, making my music, recording my music. And I always loved doing the tutorials about actually making my music. Unfortunately for me, they weren't as uh, intriguing to everybody else as, as they were for me, uh, which is why I've leaned into the marketing thing. More people needed help with marketing and wanted answers for marketing, which is why I've gone down that road more than I have the production side of things. But um, I think even if it's not tutorials about making your music, I mean, I guess you could, you know, what I do is tutorials, uh, just do it about marketing. I think if you can share any part of your process as an artist, um, on YouTube. I think that's what makes YouTube great. And I think that it's a huge, um, step to take as an artist. And I think it can only help you. Um, I'd love to see more people sharing the sauce, quite honestly. I think it's a good move. Um, I think other artists appreciate insight into what you do and whatever it is, whether it's production or recording or marketing or graphic design or whatever. And then I also think your fans enjoy it too. I mean, I know there are people here on this channel who are here just because they like my music, probably fewer of them than there are of people who are here for marketing stuff. But um, I know that they're here and I know that they probably enjoy, uh, you know, a look inside of what I do from time to time. So I think it's a, a great idea. 
Uh, record loss. Big fan of all your content. Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, do you think your success with traffic ads could be because your account is not actually targeting a cold audience? Your past conversions could be influencing this. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it could be for sure. Um, it also could not be. Um, it's tough to say. I, I will say that I think it is. I think it would be naive to think that the age of my account is not a factor and the experience inside of my ad account is not a factor because it certainly is. Having said that, I have other artists whose ads I manage uh, as an advertising agency who are seeing great success with traffic ads as well with accounts that are not as old as mine. Um, I'm seeing that success with accounts that are as old as mine as well um, that are not mine. So, um, really what I think it is, is the more ads you run across the board, you're going to have a better ad experience. So if you run ads consistently for two years, you are going to have a better experience no matter which campaign objective you choose, uh, because of the experience inside your ad account, as opposed to the amount of success you'll have in the first month of advertising which is why it's so important to consistently advertise. I think it is vastly more important to run an ongoing growth campaign to Spotify for $5 a day or $10 a day or whatever you can afford every single day without missing a beat for years. I think that does far more for you as an advertiser, as an artist, as a marketer, and for your business than like one-shot release campaigns once every month or two and you run ads for one week and then you turn it all off. That does not help you nearly as much in my opinion. So yeah, I'm sure the age of my account is a factor. Um, but I will also say, I believe that the countries I'm targeting are a big factor as well. Um, with conversion ads, if, if you want to, if you want to target countries that are not, let's say in the top 10, uh, of um, affluent nations around the world, nations like the U.S., the U.K., Germany, Australia, Canada, you know, that list. Um, if you want to target countries that are outside of that list, conversion ads are more effective because it eliminates or at least greatly decrease, decreases the uh, likelihood that you'll get hit with bots. Um so if you want to advertise in like Mexico and Brazil, um, countries that are generally very responsive to new music, um, you're going to have a more effective experience if you run conversion ads. Um, if you want to advertise in the United States, you have the option of conversion or traffic. I'm finding that traffic, based on my results so far, is actually better cost to benefit ratio than conversions in countries like the United States. But there's also pretty much no bot traffic in the U.S. to speak of, at least as compared to like, you know, Bangladesh and places like that. So I think the countries you target is a big factor as well. Um, let's see. One more question. OK, uh, I'm on the come up and want to flood my YouTube with so many covers. Love that. I see more and more artists covering music on here. I think it's less and less of a risk. Obviously can't monetize yet. Yeah, obviously, you can't monetize that. Uh, but covers are a great, great strategy. Um, 
if it were me and I was going to play that game, I would film like my cameras right here, right? <laughs> my DSLR right here, which is what I use for YouTube videos. Um, I would take, if it were me, I would take my phone and I would put it right up next to my DSLR and I would film on both, both a YouTube quality video and then a vertical like TikTok quality video. And I would do every take on both of those. And then I would cut up the same video for both formats. And then I would use that exact same cover in snippets for TikTok as well, or for just short form video, whether it's on TikTok or shorts on YouTube or Snapchat or Instagram reels or whatever. Um, I would use that same style uh, video. So you're getting double the content or actually a lot more than double the content. You get one video on YouTube, which is the full length. And then you can cut 15 second videos all across the board out of that three minute song and use them on all those platforms, which is what I would do. Um, I think it's a great strategy. I think it's, it has proven time and time again to be an effective strategy because not only does it showcase your talent, but it also connects you with the audience of the band whose song you're covering. So if you're thoughtful about like whose songs you cover, cover artists maybe that will like whose audiences will like what you do, then you can pull some of them over into your original music. I think it's a great strategy. Um, let's see. As good as nobody knows about my music yet and don't get much views or streams, as I recently started uploading and haven't shared, I want it to be public, not people I know. How do I promote music? Like the lo-fi made or rap and pop that I send might be coming up with. So how do you promote that? Haven't done marketing yet at all, so I'd like to know a bit on that. Yeah, for sure. So um, <clears throat> I would, if it were me, and I'm starting a lo-fi artist from scratch, a pseudonymous lo-fi artist that nobody knows about, the first thing I'm going to do is get my Instagram and Facebook page. I'm going to have a website that's a single one-page landing page for my artist's name. Um, and then I'm going to run ads to send traffic to Spotify on that account. And I'm going to do that for $5, $10 a day, whatever my budget is. And I'm going to run that like clockwork. And then I'll probably start retargeting some of those people to try to get them to follow me on Instagram. Um, and I will, if it's lo-fi, I'll probably post a song a week or song every two weeks or something like that. Maybe song a month. Uh, just depends on what my bandwidth is. And I will feed that machine for two years and I will just keep those ads running every single day. I will release music consistently. I will post organic content about my music, uh, consistently, and then just be patient for 12 to 24 months and then come up for air after that and sort of recalculate and go from there. That's what I would do. Really not like overly complicated. At some point in there, I would probably start uh, retargeting people who uh, have either watched my ad videos or have clicked through on my ads. I will retarget them uh, with uh, an option for free download. I'll get their email address and then I'll start an email marketing funnel to try to sell either vinyl or CDs or downloads of my music or um, merch, t-shirts, coffee cups, whatever um, I can think to sell. Um, and I would do that. That would be the first two years of my journey as a lo-fi artist.
Um, Aaron, okay, the Facebook marketing people keep calling me and telling me I'm targeting too much countries and I just get worse results. I don't think they know how to help us with music. What do you think of them? I think that you're absolutely right, Aaron. I don't think they know how to help us with music. Um, so many of the normal rules don't apply to what we're doing here. Um, there's a bunch of reasons, but one of the big reasons is we don't own Spotify. We don't own the final destination website that we're going to, like most businesses do. Um, and another one is just user behavior with music is so different than buying a book or buying a t-shirt. So yeah, I don't think that they have a clue how to navigate this world. I think it's why, you know, guys like me, I have a channel that, is successful and talking about this because there's so there are more people coming online who understand this stuff, but there are still so few people who understand the nuances of actually marketing a music business rather than just a normal business. There are little tweaks and things that, that are just very different. Um, let's see record loss. That's a great point. Thank you so much for a well thought out response, dude. Absolutely. Uh, a seasoned ad account certainly seems to be influential along with the tier one countries looking forward to more. Yeah, man, of course. Uh, I'm happy to help. Thanks for the question. It was a great question. Um, let's see. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. No problem. Uh, could you also elaborate a bit on rap and pop as I'm going to be focusing on that is this lo-fi ad made for fun. So I'll be focusing more on the pop and rap. So really the same rules apply to pop and rap. Um, I would do the exact same thing. Um, it it's the strategy. The main strategy isn't really genre specific. It's uh, it is like category specific in that we're marketing music, you know, just kind of like my response to Aaron's uh, question about the Facebook ad people not knowing what to do with us. Uh, it is category specific in that regard, but it's not genre specific. I mean, what I would tell a lo-fi producer to do is what I would tell a pop artist to do is what I would tell a hip hop artist to do. There are now within, within the confines of that strategy, there are a few different maybe ways you might think about advertising and marketing yourself. Like for example, uh, a lo-fi artist, you're probably going to want to do some collabs. Um, you might think about doing a limited, um, you know, independent, lo-fi label release a partner partnership with a label for a certain release i think that's very common in lo-fi uh with hip-hop you're certainly going to want to do collabs as well you probably want to do some collab content uh with artists that you're working with at the same time maybe that's not something you do as a lo-fi artist as a pop artist you're probably going to want to do uh collabs and features hip-hop you're going to want to do features too um so there are kind of other little nuances you can do. If you're a pop artist, then, um, you know, there are pop and, and, and rap because rap is very much in the pop realm these days, at least in the U S um, you know, both of those, you can kind of have a, a more expansive content strategy, um, that is center, like centers around your music, but other things can happen. Um, you know, other brand deals and stuff like that. Like, you know, if you're a pop artist and you're young and good looking, you might, might sell some beauty products or some, um, you know, some different types of merch or partner with different brands for deals. If you want to do 
paid sponsorships on, you know, a YouTube channel or your Instagram or things like that. Um, with lo-fi, you know, there's going to be different products. You, you might, you might sell something like coffee cups and, you know, sweaters as a lo-fi artist. Cause that's kind of like the, you know, the vibe of the, the lo-fi girl studying, right. You know, with her cup of coffee and her pencil and stuff and her big cardigan that might be different than what you sell as an, as a pop artist. So there, there are nuances to it, but the main framework of like create Instagram, create an Instagram and a Facebook account, use Facebook ads, drive traffic to Spotify, retarget for email addresses, use email addresses to sell merch. Like that's the main like brick and mortar of it. Um, let's see. Have you had any experience running Google conversion ads, not YouTube? Uh, not really. I, I have run a fair amount of YouTube ads. Um, I used to run Google ads back in the day, but like it's been so long that I'm sure that version of their advertising platform is, is incredibly different from what I experienced then, you know, compared to now, I'm sure it's very different now than it was, uh, back then. So I think the argument could be made that I have no experience with the current form of running conversion ads on, on Google, to be honest. Um, I do, I've said it often and I, and I still will say it. Uh, I do intend to get to Google ads on the channel. Uh, I've started exploring Snapchat ads on the channel. Obviously, um, that's a couple videos ago. I'm going to explore TikTok ads on the channel. Um, I even want to explore Pinterest ads and, um, Twitter ads, you know, basically any social platform that has an advertising experience. I do want to test it and I do want to see what happens and if it's a viable option for us as musicians, because some, some things might not be, you know, Pinterest may not be an effective strategy for artists, but it might be, I don't know. I've never tested it. Uh, I've, created one Pinterest board and posted some pictures to it of my studio, but that's as far as I've gone. So I I don't really know. I'm not like a Pinterest power user. Um, so I I just want to try those things and see, and Google is definitely part of that before I move into like an extensive trial and error, like figuring it out for Google or anything else. I want to get the like complete funnel built here on Facebook and Instagram to understand how every step of it works well. Uh, And then I can take that, that cash flow positive machine and port it over to Snapchat or TikTok or whatever, because like right now, if we're advertising on Instagram to send traffic to Spotify, most of us are losing money. And my next step for the second half of this year is going to be to figure out how to flip that in the opposite direction. Um, I've long said that, you know, I think we can get to a point ultimately where we're earning enough from streams to make our money back from ads, but that takes a while. And I want to figure out a way to shorten that time span to where, you know, it doesn't cost you $10,000 of sunk cost before you make a profit. Maybe it only costs you $5,000 of sunk cost before you make a profit or something like that. Um, so I want to get that system in place of like retargeting and selling merch and that kind of thing. And then, 
you know, Google ads after that. So, um, but that's a great question. I appreciate the question. Um, yeah, so that's my plan, um, <clears throat> is to probably test, um, each of them in succession. I started with Snapchat. We'll see, uh, if I keep doing Snapchat ads, um, I might jump to something else and just do a little primer video on it and see how that goes. Cause I don't know if Snapchat's going to be better than TikTok or TikTok better than Google or vice versa or whatever. Uh, but what I do know is that Facebook does work and, uh, I'll stick with that for now. <laughs> um, let's see. Just created my first TikTok video today. Any advice? Uh, let's see. Okay. Good question. Chosen one. Um, thanks for hopping in and asking. So the biggest thing I can say that I know to be true about TikTok is consistency is everything. Um, post at least once a day, try to post more than once a day. That's what TikTok's algorithm responds to. Uh, the more content you feed it, the more it learns, the faster it learns, the faster your account grows and everybody's happy. Um, I have not done that. So this is a do as I say, not as I do thing. Um, I post once a week and my results are as are, are pretty in line with posting once a week. It makes total sense. Uh, but I don't have the bandwidth to pick up a full, you know, seven day cycle of TikTok at this point. Um, my wife has been very successful on TikTok. She's got over 200 something thousand followers and it's because she has consistently showed up every day for the last 18 months to two years. Um, and it's just like clockwork, just build, build, build. So, um, if you show up every day and make TikToks every day, then you'll, you'll make it work. You know, six months to a year, you'll be sitting pretty. Yo, solo hits. Thanks for the super chat, man. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Um, running video ads for almost two weeks now. I want to start a growth Spotify and run traffic ads for the time being. What's the next move? Great question, man. So, um, yeah, go ahead and start your traffic campaign. Send your traffic directly to Spotify. I would recommend using a link redirect something like uh, the link shortener with toned in, or you can do short.io. Uh, you can use that for free and just do a link redirect from like, you know, I don't know what your domain is. Let's just say it's solohits.com. So you can do something like link.solohits.com and that, you know, slash your song name and that forwards to your Spotify profile. So use that. Um, and yeah, just uh, take, take all those video views that you've been doing uh, running those video ads and dump them into an audience. Do like a 95% video view audience over the last 30 to 60 days. And then you can take that audience and create a lookalike audience and eventually be able to use that in your traffic ads as well, instead of just cold targeting. Um, and that will give you, that should give you really good results. So do that. Target the top tier countries. I don't know if you're in the DupreeX Discord yet. If you are, uh, go to the data channel, scroll to the top, copy the tier one countries from that um, list in that spreadsheet and um, just target those and then just let it ride for a few weeks before you touch anything because it's just going to need to learn. Um, <clears throat> yeah, thanks for the question, man. And thanks for the super chat. I appreciate you, dude. You've been killing it with the super chats every week, man. Thank you. 
Uh, let's see. Thanks a lot for your help, dude. Absolutely. You don't know how much you're helping us, man. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that there. I mean, I must admit, you know, I'm, I'm working here alone most days <laughs> and, uh, sometimes you can lose sight of the forest for the trees. And so it's always good to be reminded that, uh, what I'm doing is helpful. So thank you for saying that, man. I appreciate it. Um, chosen one. No problem. Happy to help. Um, let's see. Uh, waiting on your feedback. Yeah, for sure. Um, top three, top three things to do when releasing a new single marketing wise. Okay. Yeah. Top three things to do with marketing a new single. Uh, number one, your album artwork matters so much more than most people think. Your album artwork is so incredibly important. It needs to be cool. It needs to be eye-catching. It needs to grab people's attention. Um, number two, your followers on Spotify are everything. If you have a built-in following on Spotify, your release has a higher likelihood of success because you want people on the platform you're trying to promote. Um, we're promoting on Instagram to get them to Spotify. The more you can build in on Spotify without having to send day of, the more success you're going to have. So if you have 10,000 followers on Spotify, your release is going to do a lot better regardless of how much money you spend on Facebook than if you have zero. So that's very important as well. Um, number three, every release is not going to be a hit. It sucks to, to hear. It sucks to take, you know, take that to heart, but it's the truth. If you can get one winner a year, that is victory. If you can get more than one winner a year, you are sitting pretty. So take each release as an opportunity to find your winner. And if it's not your winner, it's okay. Don't get emotionally attached. Move on to the next one and you will eventually find your winning track. And, and that will happen every single year for sure. Well, should. Um, Let's see, Dan, still have a working conversion growth campaign going that I started in early March. Okay. Campaign has six different songs where landing page all goes to artist profile. Uh, over the first month, one song dominated, but this month, all of a sudden that first song stopped working and another has picked up the slack. Any thoughts on why one song just stops performing? Man, um, it could be ad fatigue. It really could. I don't know how big and wide you're targeting, but that is definitely something that can happen. Um, your ad can just become less effective over time as, as it gets sort of worn out. So that's a distinct possibility. It also could just be that one day people start responding more to this other ad and Facebook goes, Oh, the data is showing that we need to move budget over here. And then it moves budget over there and pulls it down from here. And this one just stops getting shown, not necessarily because it sucks, but because this one just started doing better. And then the pendulum might swing back the other way another day. So I think what's important is if you have those winners, keep them going. Just keep them going and, uh, you know, let it be what it is. But that's awesome that your conversion campaign is still working, man. Hats off to you. Love it. Um, let's see. Solo hits. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm happy to help, dude. Thank you again for, uh, for the super chats, plural, <laughs> and for the great questions, man. I appreciate you. Uh, record loss. I work in the music industry. It's incredible how little awareness there is regarding your approach to Facebook ads. 
Yes, I know. Uh, most labels and artists seem to be relying on untargeted traffic ads and ineffective PR pieces. It is <clears throat> astonishing, really, how few artists are actually doing what we're doing. Um, and especially how few artists at the highest level are doing what we're doing. Like, if you take, like, let's take somebody who's who's big but not, like, superstar big. Who's somebody that's big but not superstar big? Or even somebody who's superstar big, but somebody who doesn't have, like, a, you know, an effective marketing strategy right now. It's, I, I don't know. Does, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, a good artist. Like, does Rick Ross run Facebook ads? Probably not. I don't know how big, I don't know how big, big his audience is, but let's just say Rick Ross has, you know, 10 million average monthly listeners on Spotify. Pull a number out there. It's probably more. Um, and he, he has this built-in following of people who love everything he does and would buy everything he puts out. If he's not running ads to sell merchandise if he's not running ads to get new people to Spotify, if he's not running ads to sell tickets uh, to his concerts under his profile, not under Warner Brothers profile or Atlantic or whoever his label is, or and not under a PR company's profile, it needs to say Rick Ross on the ad and on Instagram. If he's not doing that, he is giving up an artist that size millions of dollars of revenue every year that he could be generating and millions of dollars of positive fan engagement that could be bringing his fan base deeper with his brand and him as an artist. Now he might be a bad example because he's, uh, I think a pretty astute business guy. Um, but somebody at that level who has that built in, who's not doing that, you know, like I don't, I've never seen a targeted ad for Ed Sheeran or Justin Bieber. Those guys are gigantic they just ran targeted ads like we we're doing, they would clean up, but their labels don't do it. Their managers don't do it. They it's the music business has always been so resistant to change. Um, and they just use the old strategies. It's like, well, as long as it's working, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I'm with you record loss. It's, it's, it's insane. You're definitely a pioneer. Thanks, man. Some U.S. majors are catching on, but it's far away from being implemented on a wide level. Yeah, 100%, dude. 100%. Um, let's see. Dan, appreciate you. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, my campaign is still going around 20 cents per conversion. Sick. Uh, just keep it going and try not to mess with it. That's the way to be. Weirdly, the thing that made this one work over others was turning off budget optimization. That is interesting. Um that is very interesting to know. Uh, I wonder what impact that has had on your ads switching, which one is winning as well. That might have something to do with it too. Um, but I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad it's still working for you, dude. I really am. Um, in fact, on that note, my plan is to, you know, I just released my, my first of two EPs of the year today, dark, it came out today. Um, so once, this sort of first week is done with this uh, EP. I think I'm going to switch up my strategy a lot for the second half of the year, or really for the second, for the next two thirds of the year. Um, because I want to test some other stuff. I think I've got the release versus growth thing sort of 
figured out for the most part, at least as much as it can be told. Um, because, you know, the song and the artwork all make a huge difference. But as much as we can get that down to a system, I think we have. And my plan is to, A, start window testing conversions versus traffic again in certain countries. I want to get a better understanding of which does what and how. Um, you know, my conversion stopped working as well, which is why I switched to traffic. But I don't believe conversions are completely non-functional, as evidenced by yours still working. And I've said early and often they, they still work for some people. For some people, they don't. So I'm happy that I've explored this avenue to prove that there is an alternative to conversions. But now I want to start really doing some A-B testing across the two to see what those differences are. And I want to use that strategy as a basis for starting to build out more of like a, a sales funnel to sell merch, to sell music, to start generating more revenue as an artist. So that's my next move after this. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Rod, hey, Tom, what's your favorite marketplace for music NFTs and why? Do you have a top three? Great question, man. Um, I love this question. So, yes, I do have. I certainly have two. Um, my my favorite NFT marketplace is probably Fanfare right now, fanfare.fm. I just I think they're building a cool product, and I really like Jackson as a CEO. Uh, I like where his heart is. I think that they really care about what they're building. And um, they're working really hard to create a great tool that is very uh, effective for us as musicians. Um, after that, I also like uh, Mint Songs. That's mintsongs.com. Um, Fanfare is built on Flow. You can check out with a credit card, uh, or I think you can check out with your wallet now. Uh, Mint Songs is on Polygon, so it's only wallet. Uh, I don't think they've they've added credit card yet. Um, so um, check out with your MetaMask wallet on Polygon. And also kind of similar thing. Uh, Dwight, their CEO, is just a super nice guy. I can tell his heart's really in it. Um, he's interested in building something that's effective for musicians. He is a music lover. Um, and they've got a really good product. The site is good. It's clean. It's easy to use. And Polygon has no fees, which is awesome. Fanfare has no fees to Mint either. So both are great. Um after that, uh, I like what Vault is building. I think they s still have some steps to take to make it a little bit more user-friendly. I'd like to see a few more ways to edit things after your Vault is created. But if you go to uh, it's vault.fan, um, it's just it's a different type of music NFT product, but it's, it's cool. Um, it's like a Patreon built on the blockchain, basically. And I like what they're building there. So those, are, I'd say, are my three favorites right now. Of course, OpenSea is always great. Um, you know, putting anything on OpenSea is always a, a decent move because it's the biggest marketplace. I also like Holoplex uh, on Solana. You can build your own NFT store very easily with Holoplex. It's really cool. Uh, I'm going to play with that platform a little bit more. Um, and there are some others that I think are neat in theory, but I can't speak as a user because, you know, things like catalog works and sound X, Y, Z, those are both really cool. And there are artists on there who have made a, a very good amount of money, but they are applied to be added to the platform, like platforms. And I'm not a huge fan of gatekeepers. I'm not a huge fan of systems like that, that, bar entry. I understand why they do it, but as an artist, 
I just, I don't know. I'm just not particularly a fan of having to apply to be on anything like that. That's just how I feel about it. Um, Dan, it's all in one ad set, so I didn't think turning off the budget optimization would matter, but it seems to have made a difference versus other campaigns I had tried right before it. That is very, that is very interesting, especially considering it's all in one ad set. You would think that wouldn't be too big of a deal. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's see. Uh, congratulations on the release. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Uh, hey, Tom, I want to check out the Discord chat, but I don't see the link in the description of this video. Can you point me where to look? Haven't been able to watch live in a few weeks to ask that. Uh, yeah, well, it, it should be in the description of this video. Let me go and look and see if it is. Um, it ha I mean... It should automatically be in the description of all of the live streams. But let's just have a look and see if it is. If it's not, um, it's definitely in the description of uh, previous live streams. And it is in... Okay, it's not in the description of this live stream. Okay, sorry. So it's in the description of... If you go to like my last video that I posted uh, on Mint Songs yesterday... It's in the link. It's in the description of that one. Um, I will update the, you can like on YouTube, if you don't have a YouTube channel, um, you might not know this. If you do have one, you might not know this, but you can do auto, like uh, upload defaults on YouTube and automatically input whatever is um, you want to have in every video description and it automatically shows up. I thought I had put it in there for all my live streams, but I guess I accidentally left it out. So I will make sure to add it in there after uh, we are done with this live stream and I'll go back and I'll add it to all of the previous live streams for the most recent history as well. Um, sorry about that. I didn't know that it wasn't in there. I thought that it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so when we're done here, just check this one again or you can just go to like my video I posted yesterday and it's in there. Um, it's definitely in all of my like uploaded video descriptions recently. I guess the live stream is the one where it has not been in there, unfortunately. So. Uh, thank you for pointing that out, Dan. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> Cause I never would have known. I just have assumed this whole time that it was in there. Um, let's see, <clears throat> excuse me. So yeah, I want to, um, kind of as a combination of the, of Rod, your, um, NFT question and Dan, um, your questions and comments about your conversions. Um, I, another thing I want to test, um, coming up is so I really want to build out more of a funnel as an artist because I think it's important that we start doing that um, because you know as much as we may not want to ask the question it is important to ask the question how does this make money because longevity in doing this requires revenue we, we have to make money otherwise if we're going to market it and spend the money marketing like that if you just want to make money or make music and you know not put any money into it just for a hobby this is not the channel for you, but, um, you know, if you want to market your music and you're going to be spending money investing into it, then we, we, we need to see some return. And so I want to build out more of that sales funnel to figure out how that all works. But also I want to start figuring out how to market NFTs with the retargeting strategy as well. The way I view it is like Spotify, sending traffic to Spotify is top of funnel. It is, it is our acquisition of uh listeners customers fans 
like we don't running a brand awareness cam- campaign can can help yes running a reach campaign can help running a video view campaign can help yes but really for us that first like touch with somebody is sending them to spotify if they like what they hear in the ad and they go through to spotify then we can assume that they're interested in maybe at least hearing from us once more so we can retarget those people and i you know i think we can sell merch, we can sell downloads, we can sell NFTs. So I want to figure out that as a strategy as well, because I think that would be a really cool thing to uncover and share here on the channel too. Um, let's see, the Fortune Band. Yo, uh, I just got accepted by AWOL last month and we released our song called Our Sanctuary to Them. Okay, unfortunately, I didn't notice any surge in streams or playlist support as other artists ended up promoting um, with your ad campaign techniques. Uh, that's unfortunate, man. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, take taking control of, you know, what is within your power to control marketing and advertising and, and promoting your own music. There's just no replacement for that. I, as much as, you know, I don't know. I, I've had, scenarios where I've had other people helping and it just never seems to go as well as when I do it myself for my own work. <laughs> just say that. Uh, Bmar, Hey Tom, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Do you have an ad spend limit on your ongoing campaign for any of your ad sets? Uh, in my personal account right now, no, I don't. Um, whenever I do that, it is when I introduce tier two or three countries that I want to test uh, either in my own ad account or on behalf of other people, you know, something like if I want to target Mexico or Poland or Spain or France or something like that. Um, I'll put that in a different ad set and I'll cap the spending on that. Usually I cap it at a dollar a day. Sometimes I'll cap it at two fifty a day out of a $10 ad spend. So the most I'll go is like a quarter of the budget, but I usually do about 10% of the budget or exactly 10% of the budget. Rock six. Yo, uh, should I be sad if my streams are low, even though my tracks are good in terms of writing and production? Um, halfway through my album, the last single drops on April 22nd. Cool. Um, no, I don't think sad is the word to use. I think motivated would be a better word to use. Um, if you feel that your songs are good, um, but the market isn't responding to them, then it's either a, uh, the market doesn't know about your music and you need to do a better job of telling people about it and getting it in front of people or B uh, maybe there's room for improvement in your craft that you have not seen yet. Um, My, in my experience, both are generally the case Uh, for me. uh, I think a song's good, but sometimes I still need to get a little bit better. So the next one hopefully will be a little bit better. Um, And then Usually, most of it is uh, just not doing a very good job of telling people about it. I mean, you can have the greatest product in the world, but if nobody knows about it, nobody's going to buy it. I mean, Coca-Cola is Coca-Cola because everybody knows about Coca-Cola, period. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, record loss. Have you been, receive- have you been receiving uh, a deluge of people hit with restricted ad accounts? Have you had experience with it personally? I wouldn't go so far as to say I've seen like a deluge of it, but I certainly 
there are far more people getting ad accounts hit for weird reasons now than there were a year ago. Most of the time, I am finding it is not too difficult to get it unchecked. Um, assuming you haven't done anything wrong, you know, if you're showing ads with like nudity and, and uh, alcohol and drugs and stuff like that, and your account gets flagged, you're like, you're not going to get that back very quickly. But I have seen a lot of, I've seen most of the flags of accounts I've seen have been for things like non-functional landing page or circumventing systems when it is very clearly not the case. And so you just have to go and request a review and it usually gets put back on like that because Facebook goes, oh yeah, the computer didn't do the right thing on that one. Sorry. Um, so I've, I'm certainly seeing more of it, but I'm seeing less of it be like a serious threat as compared to like, let's say three to six months ago. When it started getting worse, it was really hard to get it back no matter what the reason. Now I think they're, systems are better about like putting your ad account back in good standing um as long as you haven't done anything wrong uh hey fortune unfortunately distributors like awol seem to be uh, only effective when you have a personal champion at the company that is the case for not just distributors it's the case for labels and agents and managers um unless someone is actively personally responsible for you and your team and takes ownership of that, it's the principal agent problem. Um, you're just going to get lost in the abyss and, you know, it would be better had you not signed the deal in the first place. That's my experience with it. Um, hoping the artist hub campaign works better so that I can just turn off the conversion campaign. Okay. Let us know how it goes, man. Um, talking about restricted um, accounts, my official Instagram ad account got permanently banned. They won't give a valid reason either. Now I'm running ads on a music sharing page. I share music by different artists, but I run ads for my music. Well, at least you have a second option. So that's good that you have you had a backup that was ready and able to be used. Um, I'm sorry that that happened. That sucks. Um if they haven't given you a valid reason, then, I mean, there should be a reason listed in your ads manager for why you can't run ads on it. I would look in there, go to like your account quality tab in your ads manager and see if you can find something in there. Um, Rock six. Thank you, Tom. You're very welcome, man. Been learning a lot from your content. I'm a Filipino rapper, by the way. Love it, man. Welcome from the Philippines. Glad you're here, dude. Uh, thanks for finding the channel and sticking around. I'm glad it's been helpful, man. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. I think that, uh, fortune band back on you guys. Um, yeah, there should be somewhere you can find, um, why they have restricted your account. Um, because they, I mean, I've never seen it done where they don't tell you why there's a, usually a place to figure out why and you can look at that reason and see if you violated something um which you probably haven't it's probably something stupid like one of the ones i just mentioned like non-functional landing page or whatever um i think their system their just automated system is like it's getting it's gotten better since it got worse but it's still not back to where it should be um 
reason listed just says the routine BS, nothing specific. Um, yeah, well, that's interesting then. Cause every time I've been in any of the ad managers that have gotten restricted, it will give a specific, like a specific Facebook advertising policy that was violated. And so you can go and read that advertising policy and determine whether or not you violated it. Um, which most times is that has not actually been violated. It's just a false flag. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, back to, um, back to the, um, the AWOL distribution thing too. Like even, even when you do have a personal champion for you at whatever area you're at, unfortunately the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Um, you just, you have to hold those people accountable, be super annoying. Um, when I was, when I was in my mid twenties, my band got signed to universal and we were, we were on lava universal Republic. We had booking through CAA. Um, we had one of the best lawyers in New York and all of music, you know, he's overseen hundreds of millions of records. Um, we had, we had the best team you could possibly have, but our booking agent only booked one show for us in the entire year we were on CAA and we had several other things like radio and stuff like that, that fell through or just didn't get pushed. And at the time, you know, we were kids and we just wanted to abide so that we could keep our record deal and hopefully it, we just hoped everything would work out, but we didn't want to be the ones we didn't want to screw it up by like being too demanding or asking too many questions of, you know, of the president of our label or our A&R guy or, uh, or our booking agent or whatever. Um, cause we were like, we had risen up to the, with the big boys, right. Um, you know, our booking agent was booking bands like Chevelle killing it at the time. And we sound, you know, we fit with that market. Um, and so we just didn't bother anybody. And in hindsight, that was the worst thing we could have done because we didn't hold anybody accountable. We didn't set any expectations and we didn't take ownership of our business. Um, we got signed and we assumed that the person sort of driving the charge now is going to be our record label and our manager will talk to them and then we'll talk to our manager and that'll be fine. The reality is that we should have called the label president and be like, when are we going on tour? Our booking agent is not booking it. You have money invested. Why don't you call him? I'm going to call him and I'm going to tell him to call you. Why aren't we out on the road right now? We're all 25 years old. We should be on the road 365 days a year. Why is that not the case? Um, and you know, this is pre streaming. So that wasn't a conversation yet. Um, but it's very similar to what you're dealing with, with distribution in that, you know, after that first week, no, nobody likes to be asked the question, why didn't it happen the way you said it would? Because then they have to either come up, they either have to disappoint you and say, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, or they lie to you and then you know they're lying and you know you can't trust them. But nobody likes that question. It makes people uncomfortable. So after the first, you know, 72 hours and you don't see that bump on Spotify, you pick up the phone and you call AWOL, whoever your person is there, and you say, why isn't our song performing well? We signed a deal with you to distribute it. 
that says you will help it perform and you're not helping it perform. Why? If you do that, you'll either get what you want or you'll get let go so that you can go find what you want. So all that to say, I'll get off my soapbox, but all that to say, um, bother the people who are working on your behalf if they're not doing what they need to do. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, let's see. They just say violated policy, but when I contacted their support staff, they just said permanently banned. We're sorry. Okay. Well, that's bull. <laughs> wow. That sucks, man. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. That's sorry. That's, that's not good. I don't know how to get out of that. To be honest, um, I might keep, keep calling if it were me. Um, or start a new account. Um, see rock six, even though the process is slow, I've enjoyed my growth since I got signed to believe as my distributor. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're having a solid experience with it. That's, that's positive. Uh, Kenny, yo, what's your new way of using Facebook ads? So right now, um, it's like a new old way <laughs> I'm running traffic ads instead of conversion ads. I'm going to go back to testing conversion ads in um, probably a few weeks or months, something like that, to start windowing, testing those things. But right now, um, I am using traffic ads to a link redirect to Spotify. So in the ad, it goes to you know, com slash song, and then that automatically flips the link and goes to Spotify. Um, and that's been working very well for me and for several other artists who uh, I'm using that strategy for. Tom, what advice would you, what would you advise if a couple of my tracks that have previously been uploaded by someone who I can't contact anymore? Um, well, if you can't contact them, then you might be out of luck. Um, yeah, if you can't contact them, then I don't, I'm not sure what to tell you. If you want to go through the process of trying to get them taken down without their authority, that's a whole different can of worms and you may not want to worry about that. It might be mess. It might be best to just let sleeping dogs lie and move on and make more tracks. Honestly, like how much are those songs worth to you financially? It's really kind of like, let's get to brass tacks on it. Is it really worth, or is there enough financial up upside in those tracks to go through that process? I can't answer that. My guess is probably not. I would just focus on making new music that's better and, and move on. Probably what I would do. BMAR, real talk. Yeah, man, you know it. Know the worth and take control of your own destiny. Appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely, man. Um, there's a, I think there's a very important mindset that we all need to have uh, as independent artists, but also really specifically like, our crew on this channel, I think a, a very important mindset that we all need to have is that we are all CEOs of a small business and we need to treat it that way. And even if we hire an independent contractor to, you know, take ownership of a piece of our business in the form of distribution or whatever, the buck still stops with us and we need to be the ones to get on the phone and make those calls and hold people accountable. You know, they may be distributing your music in return for a piece of it, but you still have the ownership of the business and of the intellectual property. So always hold that team accountable and always, you know, and if it doesn't work, it's a great learning opportunity about how, how to go about 
finding the right team members in the future because maybe there are things that your gut told you weren't right about this one. You like, ah, it'll be fine. And then you can learn like, well, you know, next time I'll listen to my gut and I'll, I'll do things differently. So yeah, always take ownership. And on that note, guys, to uh, end it on a real talk note, we're going to call it for this one. Um, so yeah, um, I'll be back again. We'll be back again next week, next Friday at uh, noon central time. So uh, it's what, like six, seven in uh, Europe, depending on your time zone. So yeah, we'll be back next Friday. Um, until then, thank you all for being here today. Thanks for all the wonderful questions. Um, thanks for being a part of this community. I'll drop the DupreeX Discord link in the description of this video after we hop off. So if you're not in the Discord, go join the Discord. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here. I'll catch you next week. Peace.